sproutling tops and long beards. Followed the ancient recipe to the letter. Dig a little hole in the meadow to sow your seed. And what? Just because I'm a tiny little plant, you think you can walk all over me? Hey, I'm growing here. It's time to talk dull to me. Hey, we're photosynthesizing here. I'm just over here photosynthesizing, minding my own business, and you come over here with your Timberlands and you step on my roots? Not in my field, son. You want to fix these nitrates? You want to convert oxygen into carbon dioxide back again? You ever heard of crop rotation, you <laughs> son of a bitch? I'll rotate your crops. Oh, that got, that got passionate. That got heated. Welcome back. I am Omen Thomas Sade. Whew, I am spent. And I'm Nick McGill. Together we are the Feckless Momes. And this sweet little saplings is talk tell to me. A springtime planting festival in the fertile fields of Prague Rock in which Nordal Nick and Maris Otter Omen will do whatever it takes to get to the sweet kernel that lives at the heart of every single track that Neolithic rock band Jethro Tull has ever had the good sense to propagate. We will mouth the multi-musk of Martin Barr. We will gulp David Pegg's protein-rich gruel. And we will roast Dave Maddox, grind him into a dark powder, combine him with water, and drink him as a coffee substitute. And for our comeuppance, we will become drunk on the fragrant flute juice of the Mesopotamian minstrel, the civilized cereal, the drought-resistant diamond, Ian, three grams a day will lower your cholesterol, Anderson. Three three grams of tall will lower your cholesterol, yeah. It will, actually. It'll um, so. it's good for your heart. Eat your Cheerios and listen to tall. I mean, I'm gonna live forever, frankly, with all the Cheerios I've eaten and the tall I've listened to. I'm gonna learn how to fly. Is that a reference? That, fame. I mean, that's clearly a reference. It's fame. I'm gonna live forever. Oh, oh my I'm God. gonna learn how to fly fame. This is like the third time you've referenced that song. It's the only one I know. Yeah, clearly. Nick, today we are jumping to the sound of our own gun. That's right. We're in a bit of a little interstitial moment here. For those of you who have been living under a non-tall skull-shaped rock, we have pushed back the next album to start at the beginning of April. So all of you sweet, sweet babies have time to sign up for our new Patreon tier. Tall Skull Plus starts in April. And time to wrap your head around the profound timeline jump that we are about to execute. Yes, we, like Doctor Who, are going to jump forward into the future and then drop back into the past. And you will be our sweet blonde little companion along the ride. <laughs> That's right. Today we are we are actually listening to a contemporary piece from where we are. It's a it's a piece from 1992's A Little Light Music. So it's right around the same yeah, like time. Contemporary, yeah. And then we are going to jump next week far far ahead because we are starting the Zealot Gene. Why? Because you voted on it, and we want to. Yeah, yeah, we figured we will, why not take advantage of the albums that are brand new to us in the moment that they are here? Like, instead of waiting two years to get to Zealot Gene and then Rekaflute. 
you know, it's really just our our chance to do something that we never actually got the chance to do when we were youngsters, which is to talk about a tall album when it comes out. I mean, we really we we did that with the Christmas album and that was about it. Yeah. So we want the experience that some of our OG Tall Skulls got to have. That's why we we just want to we want to live vicariously through ourselves. And we want to take you on that journey with us. We want you to live vicariously through us living through you. <laughs> it's a parasitic symbiotic it's lichen. It's lichen. There are three separate organisms living together creating one happy harmonious instance. It's a three-part Ouroboros. Just one snake going through the middle. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> beg your pardon. <laughs> it's, a, it's a braided Ouroboros. Oh, there we go. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Nick. My goodness. So the song that we are talking tell about today is a live recording off of the Little Light Music live album. It is a, it is a song which has its roots deep in the past of English folk music, English and Scottish folk music, it is none other than John Barleycorn. JBC. That's right. It can be heard nowhere else other than this album. It was played twice in concert. Except for all of the other people who have covered it and all of the infinite number of folk singers who have sung it. Who've sung it. Other than that, nowhere else. Other than, than Tull. Tull playing it that's that's what i was getting at other than tall playing it you can only hear tall play it here yeah that's right shall we ourselves play it here and listen do you want to talk more history first i wish we would stop talking tall about uh, about talking about it and i i think we should just listen to it <laughs> McGill. John Barleycorn. This song is so fun. It's awesome. I've loved this song since high school. It's so good. What, what do you like about it? It's just, it sounds so unique. Musically? Yeah, a lot of that has to do with the fact that this whole album, this whole tour, they had a very unique sound to what they were playing live, which yes. is another reason why I love this album so much. Kind of going back to an, an acoustic sound after several albums of really being in that heavy electric rock and roll. Yeah, and they, they really did tweak a lot of the music to have a much more unique sound compared to what they'd been playing for the last 30, 40 years and what we had been hearing for the last 30, 40 years. So it was really fun. I mean, that sound aside, which is crazy fun, it's this just feels like such a unique delivery for Tull. You know, like we've we've been pseudo folk uh -huh, uh -huh. in the past, which we really adore, but this is this is their take on legit folk. Yeah, this this song combines a lot of elements that that I get really excited about. And one of them is a connection to an old friend of ours, Mr. Robert Burns, Poet Laureate of Scotland. Robbie Burns. So the origin of this story, 
John Barleycorn is a personification of the barley plant and its uses uh, being turned into beer and whiskey. Right. And that theme, that song, or that idea goes back a long, long way. There are references, the kind of earliest version of it is in the 1620s. And it possibly goes back even earlier to uh, 1568 with a song called Alan o Malt, Alan of the Malt. Yeah. But then Robert Burns crafted a version hmm. himself, and that is the one that the first couple of verses of Tull's song seem to really reference. There were three kings come okay. out of the east, uh, come into the east or out of the west. The reason I think it has stayed for so long, I mean, there was, I think Metallica also did a cover of it, didn't they? I know they did Whiskey in the Jar. I'm not sure they did this one. They may have. They may have. But like, yeah, everybody has has done a cover of this. Let's find out really quick. While you are looking that up, let's do a quick rundown of personnel on this album. Ian Anderson, of course. Martin Barr, of course. Dave Pegg, bass and mandolin. Dave Maddox, a Fairport convention ah. borrow. Snare drum, bass drum. I don't know why YouTube doesn't just say the drums. They say snare drum, bass drum, hi-hat, cymbal, glockenspiel. <laughs> percussion and keyboard very strange uh-huh also chronologically this is again from 92 so that puts us a year after catfish nightcap comes out in 93 and roots to branches comes out in 95 traffic the band traffic did a version of john Bar barleycorn mm. must die interesting actually john barleycorn must die is the fourth album from traffic ah. at least in 1970 there were three Came out of the west Their fortunes for to try Fun little tidbit, there is a John Barleycorn Tavern in Owego, New York, which is an hour due south of where I live. Might have to go there. And I am drunk there right now. <laughs> Recording live from the scene. From the bathroom. <laughs> The other great thing about this song, and I, and I think the reason that it has stood the test of time for the several hundred years, is that it's basically a recipe. Mm, yeah. And wh whereas a lot of other songs get, you know, the plot gets changed, you can't change the plot of this too much because it's directly referencing the recipe of how you grow, you grow barley and make whiskey. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there there are so many folk songs about how to do something you know whether it's whether it's blatantly stating it or or kind of veiled like old slave songs like how to get the hell out of the field or how to get to some place you know follow the drinking gourd etc oh wow you sure know? yeah that's really interesting i hadn't thought of that yeah i wonder how many other recipes there are <laughs> encoded in folk songs probably probably more than we realize yeah my favorite is Sweet Donna the Red Velvet Cupcake. It's a classic. <laughs> the Star Spangled Banner is actually, it's a recipe for, for a, a solve for chlamydia. Oh. Yeah. The Star Spangled Banner, yeah. 
the rocket's red glare. Ooh, yeah, I get they it. sure do. I get it. <laughs> they sure do. So we have musically, why not? Oh, can, can we? Can I do just one little thing about barleycorn? Oh, please do. Real quick, just enjoy. So, so the barleycorn is like the seed of the barley plant, right? The corn. Yes, corn is an old word for grain. Yeah. And and interesting fact uh, on that, the English inch used to be. Was that what you were going to say? That's yep. That's where say I was it, going. Say with. it. Yep. I have that the 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 shoe size in UK is measured in barley corns. Uh-huh. That's why when you see a US size versus the UK size, the UK size is like what, like thirty times more or whatever. Um, but what what's the what's the ratio of barley corn to inch? I for, I, I believe I it's that. four barley corns to an inch. Yeah, and it is further delineated into five or six poppy seeds to the barley corn. <laughs> Oh my God. And you wonder why the buildings are leaning over over there. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So 25 poppy seeds make an inch, roughly? I, yeah, I Apparently, roughly, yeah. Because poppy seeds are quite small. Yeah, very small. A, it's a rustic measurement, for sure. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a millimeter. Okay. Uh, don't, don't make me take out my 45 poppy seed blaster. <laughs> <laughs> So barley corn, the 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 material, the the food was really ingrained in lots of ancient civilizations. In fact, barley corn is described, and the drink made from it, beer, or early version of it, is described in cuneiform tablets. Mm. It has even been figured out that barley corn and the preservation of it existed pre-pottery. In the aceramic period, pre-frickin' pottery. Wow. I have even heard a theory that the discovery of the fermentation of barley necessitated the invention of pottery. Because they were like, we have to make this scalable somehow. I need more of this. How does it happen? I need it to not just happen in this one special divot in the ground that we happened to drop our barley cord seeds into that one May time. I, that mud over there got pretty hard. How, how, do, we, how do we work with this? We need Let's to, brainstorm. Right. And that's, I mean, that's what I find so fascinating about the song is it is this ancient, ancient, ancient ritual that has been repeated thousands and thousands and thousands of times in human history. Yeah. And then it's personified in the in the figure of a man. And what's interesting is that uh, we'll, we'll talk about music at some point here, I promise. But the lyrics are just so exciting. And just the song itself is so exciting. There are a couple different versions of, of the song. There are lots of, of them, but they fall into a couple different categories. In one of them, it's framed as, you know, these men are doing all these terrible things to John Barleycorn. And in the end, he gets his revenge by making them drunk. Hmm. But the other version is the one that we have here, which is that after all of this flaying and and sacrifice of John Barleycorn, he ascends to a new level and blesses the people, even the people who who murdered him, with this liquid life that now they can't even function without. So he is a Jesus figure. Absolutely. <laughs> Jesus is really an agricultural figure. And, and there are lots of other, um, Joseph Campbell cites a, a Polynesian myth about 
a man, a beautiful man who came to this island and and was the lover of uh, like the all woman. And, uh, and she was, and he was like, you have to do something for me that you're not going to like. And she was like, I'll do anything for you. I love you. And he's like, you have to cut off my head and bury it in the sand. And she's like, um, that feels wrong. Cause I love you so much. And he was like, I love you too. And I love you so much that I need you to cut my head off and bury it in the sand. So she does. And a palm tree grows out of it and produces coconuts. And then the coconut sustains that culture for, you know, forever. Is that essentially Maui or is that a different? character i think it's a different character but i could be wrong it's it's a very very ancient myth yeah 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 okay so musically here let's let's get into this musically this whole album again gushing it's so it's so clean it's such a clean sound for being a live concert yes it's it's really really crisp it's really nice you can hear everybody everybody's playing their part to their fullest extent. It's a great representation of Tull. It really is. It's a great era. You're really familiar with this album. Very much so, yeah. This is one of your go-to albums. Yes. That you listened to a lot when you were younger. Oh, yeah. I listened to the hell out of this in in, college, in high school. I, I mean, I think I would say that this was one of my Tull formative albums. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is an album that I really... I don't think listened to in its entirety until this past weekend. I listened to it during my weekend death march. Mm. And I don't know if it was the dehydration or what, but I, I really had an experience with this album. It was fantastic to hear. I accidentally listened to it out of order, which wasn't super smart, but... Oh, interesting. But what I appreciated about it is that it is mostly acoustic and it does have that beautiful clean sound, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. But it's it still has an electric element. Martin is coming in and oh, yeah. out and switching the guitar- guitars, and it's just gorgeous. And this is such a great sound. This particular song, where mm. it's an acoustic kind of platform, and then he's bringing this electric like lightning to it. There's like a like an exotic funk to it in a sense, and I, I attribute that to in one of the points in, of banter. Ian says that both he and Martin have recently returned from island holidays. Oh, yes. So maybe there's some some little... Uh, uh, Martin Lee recently returned from... Saint, no, no, not St. Lucia. That was me. Antigua. Antigua, he went on holiday to spend, spend your, your money. money. Yeah. What a bummer, eh? <laughs> that was the reggae version of Two Olds of Rock and Roll. Because Martin has just returned from the Caribbean... St. No, it was not St. Lucia. That was me. Um, Antigua. Antigua you went on holiday to spend your money. What a bummer, eh? I love the line where he's like, Martin is a famous womanizer. Martin, every night, night Martin has... Each night. <laughs> he has over 200 women in his bed. Did I say bed? In his mind. In his mind. Yeah. Martin is a famous womanizer. Martin... Each night, each night, Martin has over 200 women in his bed. Sorry, say bed? 200 women in his mind. Sorry, in his mind. In his mind. That has always bothered me because he should have said head. Because head in bed rhyme, it would have made the joke better. Eh. I know. Very fun. Very, very fun. Nothing terribly cringeworthy, 
like most of the concerts. Uh, there, there are a couple here and there. Christmas time, not a time for heavy drinking, overeating, or casual sex with farm animals. So be warned, David Pegg. I love that line. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> it's great. It's great. <laughs> it is not a time for heavy drinking, overeating, and casual sex with farm animals. That's out of the question. So be warned, David Pegg. There's a great balance in the humor of that concert between knowing what works and not giving a damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yes, musically, this song. Anything else musically about this song, Omen? David Pegg is vivacious. Mm -hmm. Around 1 minute 30, we have a wonderful <clears throat> from Ian. <clears throat> a hearty workman's grunt. Just your, your standard workman's grunt. I was trying to figure out the time signature of this song, and I think that I counted it in 8-8. Eight, eight, okay. But if that's the case, there are occasional measures of 4-8 or 12-8. Just, you're just saying numbers now. There's a, there's a catch measure measure in there because you have like, no, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 1, 2, 3, 4, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. There are a number of times where a, a measure that doesn't fit into the regular counting gets dropped in. Hmm. Okay. Madness. And it feels like a solid, like a Morris Dancer's song. Oh, it's, it drives. It's very driving. Yeah. It feels slow, but it feels so purposeful. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a driving trudge, maybe. But trudge, trudge feels like it has a negative connotation. There's, like, like there's, there's power behind this. And, you know, there are lots of songs. We, we talked about, you know, are, how many songs are there where it's a recipe or a set of instructions. Mm -hmm. this, there are lots and lots of songs that are designed to have certain work go with them. Right. Yeah. All those sailor songs, some of them are, are specifically engineered to provide a rhythm to turn the capstan. There's a particular variety of song in some part of Italy that has a really strange rhythm to it because the way that they row the boats there is different hmm. because of the size of the oars or something nonsense like that. Yeah. But this could, who knows, maybe John Barleycorn was a, a winnowing song or not a winnowing song, a threshing song. Hmm. Yeah. We're beating the ground with our big shiny sticks. Everybody take a break, and now we're gonna beat it some more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think Britney Spears has a couple of those songs, right? Britney Spears' cover of John Barleycorn Must Die, a deep cut, but when that drops at the club, all the gays go wild. Omen, here we are, halfway through. We are. I am saving correspondencies for next week when we get back into the regular flow of things. So this week I wanted to just reference really quick another tall live song. This one is Reynard the Fox. Yeah. Which was also played two times in concert. This was from the Broadsword Tour in 1982. This is their cover of a Fairport Convention song. 
appropriate because mm-hmm. David Pegg has been on loan from Fairport Convention for years at this point. And at this point, we also have Jerry Conway from Fairport on drums as well. This song in particular is a cappella. Oh, yeah. So we have Ian, we have Dave Pegg, and PJV on backing vocals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is also, like, really touches to that old folklore feel. Oh, yes. the lo- I mean, the story of Reynard the Fox goes back. The Fox is one of the ancient trickster beings of, of the world, and, and specifically using that term, Reynard, I just, I believe, means fox in, in some older language. It's not French? But, uh, oh, mais oui! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a series of folklore epic tales called the Beast Epics. They, they kind of categorize them. It's where you get fox, coyote, crow, things like that, the, the trickster animals. Yeah. And this is absolutely lovely song. The only copy of it is kind of a rough recording. Yeah. But it's still, it's still really, really fun. Kind of a bootleg. It's most certainly a bootleg, yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, that's it. I just I recommend listening to that as well. Very unusual for Tall to cover anything, at least that at least to our knowledge. Right. I think I think it's because this is also a folk song as well. Oh yeah. That even though Fairport did it, it's like it kind of gets a pass. Oh, 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 but we are gonna cut do a cover. A, a very surprising cover later on in our, our trek through the Tull Tullosphere. What is it? Do you want me to tell you? I want you to tell me. It's The Thin Ice, which is a Pink Floyd cover. What? I can't sneak yeah. up on me like that with these facts. Yeah, it's it's pretty shocking. It really is. I would say that Tull has been covered more than they have covered other people. Oh, 1,000%, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Nick... Anything else to say about Reynard the Fox? No, that's it. Go listen to it. Find it on YouTube. Highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And if you find a fox in the wild, keep a respectful distance. Yeah, respect it. And if it's out in the daytime around people, definitely get away from it. It's probably rabid. Call animal control. Yeah. But if it's just fl- flopping around in the in the dappled moonlight, um, respect it. Respect it. It's probably a fairy in fox form, so... Be careful <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> Every reason. <laughs> All right, Omen, we've touched on this quite a bit already, but I reckon we should probably dive in just a little bit more for specificity's sake. Oh my gosh. I mean, there's so much content to be had here. We we talked a little bit uh, about kind of the general placing of the song, where it comes from. Mm-hmm. But let's let's really get into it. So it's it's allegorical, right? It's not just like, hey, you take barley, you thresh it, you soak it, you you ferment it. Like it is under the premise of of a, a vengeance song. The character of John Barleycorn. It's, it reminds me of the movie Revenant. Did you ever see Revenant? I did not. Very good. Highly recommended. Very, very good. So the three men, they make a, a solemn vow. John Barleycorn must die. They, they plowed, they sown, they harrow him in. Those are very specific agricultural terms. Threw cloths mm-hmm. upon his head till these three men were satisfied 
were satisfied John Barleycorn was dead. And these three men made a solemn vow. John Barleycorn must die. Well, they plowed and they've sown, they've hallowed him in, thrown clubs upon his head. Yeah, till these three men were satisfied. John Barleycorn was dead. They let him lie for a long, long time till the rains from heaven did fall, and little Sir John sprang up his head and so amazed them all. They let him lie for a long, long time till the rains from heaven did fall. And little Sir John sprang up his head and so amazed them all. There's your JC reference. Yeah, right, right. It, it makes me think of Solomon Grundy, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah, sure. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. More of a dark magic in that context. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So the story is they, they kill this guy and they bury him in his field and he grows back with the rains in the season and gets his revenge. Maybe somehow these three men get it in their heads that they're going to make their fortune killing, quote-unquote, John Barleycorn. Well, but then it's not even done. Once he's all grown and he's developed a long, long beard, which is a reference to the way that barley grows. It has these mm -hmm. spikes that come off of it, and when it's ripe, they dip down, so it looks like a, like a beard growing down. They have hired men with scythes so sharp to cut him off at the knee. They rolled him and tied him around the waist, serving him most barbarously. Well, they've hired men with the scythes so sharp to cut him off at the knee. They rolled him and tied him around the waist, serving him most the offenses continue. It's not enough to kill them once. Mm -hmm. They have to kill them all, all a whole bunch of times. Yeah, cut them off at the knees is just just using the scythe to chop them down. Tie them off at the waist is is tying up the bundle, and then it's not threshing. What did you call it? Is it threshing when you beat the shit out of it? Yeah, but we're not even there yet. Oh, isn't that the barbarously part? No, that's just getting him onto the cart. Oh, oh, oh. And wheeling him... So let's see, they hired men with the sharp pitchforks to prick him to the heart, but in the loader, he has served him worse than that, for he's bound him to the cart. Well, they hired men with the sharp pitchforks to prick him to the heart, yeah. Oh, and the loader, he has served him worse than that. So it's this, it's it's like it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Just when you think they've treated them as badly as possible, then they, they come mm -hmm. up with something else. So then they wheel them around to a farm. They make another solemn oath concerning John Barleycorn. They hired men with the crab tree sticks to split him skin from bone. You well, hired men with the crab tree sticks to split him skin from bone. And that's the that's the threshing where you're you're breaking 
the chaff, you're breaking the chaff from the meat. Mm, mm-hmm. And then the miller has served him worse than that, for he's ground in between two stones. They grind the actual meat, the the grain. Yeah. From there, they boil him and and do all other kinds of stuff, which which Tull skips over here. That's where you get your mash, right? Isn't that what mash is? Yeah. So if we if we switch over to to Robert Burns. Mm-hmm. They laid him down full on his back and cudgeled him full sore. They hung him up before the storm and turned him o'er and o'er. That's an extension of the threshing process. They filled up a darksome pit with water to the brim. They heaved in John Barleycorn and there let him sink or swim. That's soaking it. Mm-hmm. That's soaking the barley to, to, let, to let the sugars come out of it. They wasted or a scorching flame, the marrow of his bones, but the miller served him worse than that for his crushing between two stones. So, it, I mean, it really is getting in depth with the process of, of making it. Yeah. It's very cool. It's very clever. I, I love the idea of taking this process and really like you, 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 you pick it up and you, you just slide it over a cell and, and you, you drop it down on something else and it, it fits so perfectly. It's so clever, the, the translation to like a real life thing. There's also something very Scottish about this song. Hmm. Especially in the verses that Ian has chosen to sing. Okay. Well, there's beer all in the barrel and brandy in the glass. But little old Sir John with his nut brown bowl proved the strongest man at last. So of all the things, I mean, you do make beer out of barley. Mm-hmm. Brandy is made from apples or wine or something, made from fruits. But Little Sir John, which is whiskey, scotch in, in the case of Scotland, mm. is the strongest liquor of all. Yeah. And the conception of, of whiskey in the old world, especially in the British Isles, the Romans called it aqua vitae, the water of life. There's a level of awareness and respect there. Absolutely. So that's what is fascinating about the about the Robert Burns version that we we kind of get away from John Barleycorn's revenge, which we do. You know, I remember when we were singing this song or when we heard this song sung at the Renaissance Fair. One of my favorite lines was, "He'll turn your gold to silver and your silver into brass. He'll make a man into a fool and a fool into an ass." John Barleycorn, this song? Yes, yes. I never heard that one at the fair. Different version of it. I, I mean, I forget where I heard it, but that idea that like, yeah, we treated John Barleycorn poorly and now he messes us up when we drink him. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's an, it's it's the origin story. It's the, the explanation myth. Right. But in this yeah. case, we have the John Barleycorn as the hero who has sacrificed him almost like Prometheus for humanity. Mm. Now the huntsman, he can't hunt the fox nor loudly blow his horn, and the tinker, he can't mend his pots without a little bit of John Barleycorn. Well, now the huntsman, he can't hunt the fox nor loudly blow his horn, and the tinker, he can't mend his pots without John Barley Corn. 
makes you wonder about the state of sobriety among the working peoples of England. Yeah, just a, just a little nip to get through the day. I can stop when I want to. I just don't want to. <laughs> I can stop when I pass out. <laughs> and Burns's version gets a little bit... I, I love the way he ties it together. After all this, uh, you know, crushing and, and poking and prodding. And they had taken his very heart's blood and drank it round and round. And still the more and more they drank, their joy did more abound. John Barleycorn was a hero bold of noble enterprise, for if you do but taste his blood, twill make your courage rise. Twill make a man mm. forget his foe, twill heighten all his joy, twill make the widow's heart to sing, though the tear were in her eye. And so it ends It ends up with like, it's this hero of Scotland. Yeah. It's really beautiful. That's great. I love that. I love that personification of something that is, it's so valuable and valued and appreciated that it gets gets elevated into that level you know we can't just say oh yeah we really like rye we really like barley because it gets gives us these things you know it gets that character that that hero character he sacrificed himself for us to give us the most divine thing that there is and and whiskey in scotland is kind of has a connection to, to the divine you know when people when when people talk about whiskey tastings it is it is kind of like a spiritual experience hmm yeah i think i would go to a whiskey tasting that sounds good i would taste a whiskey i, I would taste some whiskey sure wow what a what a song what a deep deep song you know just on the surface it's a lot of fun great sound great story but there is there is a lot to unpack in this so historical so fun yeah trying to think what other foods could we like what other song has is like this in the history of all songs that we know of that praises a staple yeah in this in this way or or anthropomorphizes it i mean jack and the green a little bit yeah that's true it's not a food but it's a it's a the green man it's a seasonal representation yeah absolutely do you know who sang that? No, no. It's Jeff Tull. Oh my God, are you serious? Oh my gosh. <laughs> we'll have to go back and cover that album. We'll do that instead of Zealot Gene. <laughs> Anything else to say about John Barley One? No, not at all. If I was still drinking, I would have a little snoot of it right now. I think that would be good. If I was still drinking, I might still do it. If I was still drinking, I might start again now. Actually, I thought about I thought about getting some scotch recently. Yeah. Yeah, I get, I do like a nip of scotch now and then. It's nice. It's nice. Good and, good and peaty and smoky. Did I tell you that every time that Katie Lou's mom comes to visit, we always get a bottle of Prosecco because very occasionally she likes Prosecco. But for about three visits, she didn't have any Prosecco. And so we just kept accumulating more and more Prosecco in the fridge. Why wouldn't you just use the bottle that was already in there? Why would you get a new bottle if the last one was not consumed? You know, because I don't consult you on everything I do, Nick. If if I could, if I had you on speed dial and could ask you these questions, then I would I would be able to resolve them. But I can't I can't bother you for every little thing. Nick, we have a bottle of prosecco. Katie's mom is coming over. Should I buy a bottle of prosecco? <laughs> N O period. No. no, don't do it. 
As we said earlier, we are starting not only Zealot Gene, the contemporary albums, we are also starting the video versions of those. If you want to jump in on that Patreon, $15 a month, get in on the Tull Skull Plus level, please. And thank you. We are grinding the internet between the two stones of our faces to produce (laughs) a liquid joy just for you. We're going to beat this metaphor until it breaks apart and boil it down and create something really special. You'll be drunk off our podcasting. (laughs) For the accountant, he can't account his counts. And the trucker can't truck his trucks without a little dash of the feckless moans. (laughs) If you are split from skin to bone, you can hide that by wearing Talk Tull to Me merch which can be purchased from our Public page, the link to which can be found in the show notes. Once you've had a nip from your nut brown bowl, why don't you get on the internet and share your opinion with the rest of the world? Specifically, tell the world what you think about this podcast. You can do so in the form of a five-star rating and review. And we do encourage you to follow in the footsteps of the great writers of old, right drunk, forget to edit. Until next week, I am the man who flies till Midsummer's Day, Nick McGill. I came in a barn, Omen Thomas said. <laughs> we can't hunt the fox, the feckless moms. And look at our long, long beard. It's talk tall to me. <laughs> We ones and farmers to Mary's cooking show. The cook that all the cooks the wook. Oh no, we've got a very special guest. Tis none other than Robert Burns, poet laureate of Scotland, to share his favourite recipe with all ye Burns. Robert, I kiss you under your kilt. I'm here to tell you how to make whiskey today. First of all, you combine your base ingredients, which is wheat malt, flaked maize or rye with water and yeast, which we sometimes call whiskey mash. I've got some yeast for you right here under my pinafore. Then you ferment your base of whiskey for about one to two weeks to fully ferment that. And during that step, the compounds begin to break down and produce a simple natural alcohol called ethanol. And during that time, Robert, you didn't want to change your clothes nor wash your feet, correct? Absolutely. The next step after that that fermentation is to strain out the mash. You get rid of all the solids. I like to eat them on my muesli in the morning. And then you've got left the liquid ethanol to make vodka. I went without solids for a whole week. Dropped me dress sizes down by 40 stones. Then we distill the whole thing by heating it and vaporizing it and collect that vapor as it recondenses as a liquid. 
One time I saw a strange creature in the middle of a crop circle in me crops and I vaporized it with me 44. Those aliens never came back to my part of the woods. Now the next step is very important. You have to collect and sort the distillate. The first 35% of a distillation results in an ethanol product that contains methanol or oh. acetone hey. and can be highly volatile or toxic. Hey, hey, that's what blind Pete once brewed for me. And then, of course, you age your liquor and then dilute and you're done. Oh, Robert Burns, it was so kind of you to come upon this way you cooking program to give us the lead to make a good good. We'll have you back next week to show us how to poon the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And now that the cameras are off, Robert, I'd like to show you what's under my bell tower. How? Talk tell to me as a proud member of the Feckless Mums Audio Network. <laughs> <laughs> My wife just got home, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs>